today, um, by the way, um, if you're new to the church, make sure you fill out a connection card and uh, we're gonna, uh, so we can get to know you better. And we have a thing called Dinner with the Dossies, um, me and my wife and our leadership team too. So you get more than just us, which is a good thing. Um, the last Wednesday of each month. Um, if you want to know more about the church and you're new and you want to know about the vision, where we've come from, where we're going, um, and you want to make this your home church, then that's a great thing to go to. We have dinner. It's the last Wednesday night of each month at 6 p.m. right here in the cafe, and we serve dinner, and we get, you get to know us and our team here. So if that's something you want to do, please sign up. Go online at therivers.org and sign up for registration or events, and you'll see that and register right there, and we'll get your name in, and it'd be great to meet you, and that's coming in a couple weeks, so um, get signed up for that if you want to do that. Also, don't forget, right after that, on the last Wednesday of every month, we have a prayer and worship night, and that's at 7 p.m., so 7 p.m. on the last Wednesday, the 30th of this month, we're going to do worship and prayer, and that's a fun time where we just get one hour in here. The worship team comes up. We lead in worship, but we're praying and praying for each other. It's almost different, I'd say, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, kind of different almost every time in ways where, you know, sometimes we're praying over each other. Sometimes we're just worshiping, laying on the floor, getting a hold of God. So um, I would highly recommend this. Um, if you're a, a member of this church, this is something you should and need to be at. You need to be a part of that. That is body ministry. It's once a month that we come and we honor God by giving up that hour for him and, and, we, and we seek his face and ask for his spirit to be poured out. Amen? Amen? You don't get what we just got by showing up. Are you with me? Yeah. What you experience in worship, some of you, uh, most of us, hopefully, we got that because the saints of God here in this church have been doing spiritual warfare to break that open to y'all. Are you with me? Because if that were to happen, it would be happening every church all the time. Every It would just be normal. It's not because there's a fight. There's not because we have to fight by faith what we can experience and have and get from God. He's got a lot of it, and it's a finished work. And the cool thing about God, wouldn't you like a parent that his answer was always yes. 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 I know when Isaiah was young, he would have loved if his dad always said yes. But what's cool about God is when you ask according to his word, which means according to the way he thinks his principles, his answer is yes. Not just some of the time, all of the time. The Bible says that the promises of God are yes and amen in him. So isn't that a cool father? Our heavenly father says, come ask me. Well, God, you just said all your answers are going to be, no, I still want you to come ask me because there's something in the process of asking that helps us grow closer to him, that we have to exercise faith, and he teaches us and trains us to be more like him when we come and ask, knowing that the answer is yes. When you're praying for your friend to get healed, know that your answer is yes. It's not, well, maybe, or I don't know. I'll get back to you on that. No, God says his answer is always yes. That's good news. Amen? Amen? All right. If you have your Bibles, open up to Acts 19. Um, we are talking about the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, which is so fun and easy to understand that we've all done that, and we're pros on that, right? We just grasp it all. No, kidding. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit, who is God, the Spirit, okay? Three different personalities working in one person. And so the, we've been talking about the Spirit. We've talked about many things, but today I want to talk about, I want to get to, I want to talk about having power for your destiny, not your neighbor's destiny, not your parents, not your kids. Power to complete and get in your destiny. There are people here today that are ignoring their destiny. There are people here ignoring their place in the body. There are people in here stubborn and not willing to submit to the will of God to get into their calling and ministry and stay put and keep their eyes focused. And today, you're going to see how you can have that power. And yeah, you guessed it. It's by the Holy Spirit. 
It's only by the Spirit of God that we can overcome and make those choices. It's only by the Spirit of God that we can make the choice to walk in our destiny and even have the ability to do it. But in Acts 19.1, I want to read this. This has been our text throughout this um, uh, subject on the Holy Spirit, but I want to read uh, Acts 19.1, and let's read that. So, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland countries and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. So this is, remember, 20 or so years after Christ died, the Pentecost has already been happening, right? So this is a, a ways after a lot of the church has grown. A lot of stuff had happened. A lot of people filled the Holy Spirit getting this new message in. And Paul comes to Ephesus, and there he said he found some disciples. And in verse 2 he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Why is that the first question he asked him? Because if you've got the Spirit is the critical question. Because without the Spirit, you can't do what God's going to call you to do. You can't live the life God's called you to live until you have His Holy Spirit living in you and His power upon you to do those good works. Are you with me? So that's the first question. And really, truly, church, it's the ultimate question. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Are you confident of that? Are the fruits of His life in your life? Do people look at your life and say, wow, you look like just like the Holy Spirit? Your fruits, what you produce in your life, should match up more and more to what the Holy Spirit, what God looks like and does. Oh, that's a tall order, isn't it? It's possible only through the Holy Spirit, only through God, because all things are possible through God. So we asked them, Do you, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. This was the gospel had already gone out, and here they were 20 years, and here we are 2,000 plus years, and there's still people, Christians, these people believed in the gospel message. They had the Spirit within, they believed, but they haven't heard that there was a Holy Spirit that brought power to their life, and here we are 2,000 plus years later, there's still Christians that don't understand that there is an empowerment of the Spirit that is available to every Christian, not just whether, oh yeah, sure, it's not a grocery list. Oh, I'll take the Holy Spirit. No, it's not an option, God saying, hey, if you feel like it, you know, get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Just like water baptism isn't a choice, really. He didn't say, you yeah, know, if you get around to it, go ahead and get baptized. No, he said, be baptized. When God says do something, he's just being nicer than maybe, you know, you better do it. It's, not, it's, a, it's about really God saying, do this because you need it. So he asked them, have, they haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. And he said, into what baptism? They said, John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Paul laid his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. So that's our text today, guys. That's the, the, the whole process of this whole um, teaching on the Holy Spirit is how, have you heard about the Holy Spirit? Did you realize that you uh, have that ability to have the Holy Spirit and you have that need for the Holy Spirit? So let's review really quickly and then we'll get into today. I want to bring up a few highlights that the Holy Spirit told me that he specifically wanted you to know today. So the first week we talked about in your notes, if you're taking notes, what Jesus began to do and teach. Remember, this was key to why the Holy Spirit was given. The key that the Holy Spirit was given is that what Jesus began to do and teach, he's called you and me to go do what he started. Are you with me? Yeah. You as believers should be doing and acting like Jesus acted on this earth. You should be doing what he did, bringing life to people, setting captives free, healing the sick, praying for them, casting out devils. That's what stuff you should be involved in your life doing. That's kind of a hard one. you got to let that one sink in. And I'm with you. I've been there, and I'm there at times. Man, Lord, my life doesn't really match up with the gospel life. But I can tell you, I know me and I know you in our hearts. We want it to. Oh, God, isn't that the cry of your heart, church? Does anyone have that cry? I want my life to match up more with that. Well, I'm telling you, with the power of the Holy Spirit, your life can and will. And you'll be praying for the sick and they shall recover. You'll be seeing people in bondage and praying over and casting out devils and getting them free from bondage of hell. It'll happen. Trust me. 
God's word never fails. Number two, we looked at the two main workings of the Spirit. And we looked at the Holy Spirit within the believer. And remember, this was really important. This develops the, Christ, the character of Christ within us. So at, at, at the new birth, you have the Spirit within. That's when he creates a brand new spirit. You're born again experience. You get a brand new spirit. And then number two, we looked at the spirit upon the believer. And we looked at different scriptures that showed these two different workings. And number two is the Holy Spirit upon the believer. And remember, this was giving us the power to go and do what he's called us to do. So those are important foundational things that we laid as a church about the Holy Spirit's working in our life, that we are to be doing what Jesus started, and we're going to finish that, and then also we need the Spirit within and upon. Then next we looked at who he is, and I'll go through these really quickly. This is just a quick review. We looked at he is God, right? The Holy Spirit is God. He's not just some junior helper of God. He is God. That's important. Number two, we looked at he is a gift from the Father. We have to view this, that the Holy Spirit truly is a gift to us. I mean, and I would look at it as more as it's like a a tool. It's something that you desperately need to accomplish your work. It's not a present like, oh, just give me a present here. Go do whatever you want. No, no. You're giving a critical tool to do what you need to do. Ask a mechanic, Aaron. There's some tools that are pretty critical, right? That you would not want to do your job without a certain tool. You need the Holy Spirit because he helps you do that. It's a gift. And then three was he is the Holy Spirit. He's your comforter, helper, and advocate. And if you miss those sermons, they're online. I encourage you to go and listen to them and hear the scriptures that we talked about and what the Holy Spirit does as your comforter. We talked about that for the last couple weeks. Remember last week was kind of intense. We talked about false comforters. The thing you run to when you're stressed, worried, or anxious, or afraid. The thing you run to that's not the Holy Spirit. Remember, we talked about those gruesome uh, statistics on porn. We talked about food. We talked about addictions. The things that we tentatively go to to escape the reality because we don't want to deal with reality. It's too hard. So we run and we escape through binge-watching 24 hours of Netflix because the 24 hours that was there, we don't want to deal with what's going on in our life. We want to get out of that. And so we looked at the fact that the Holy Spirit said, no, 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 no. When you're stressed out, come to me, the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to truly comfort you. I'm going to truly be your advocate and show you how to deal with this situation so you can walk in victory and have some power over that issue in your life. Are you with me? That's awesome news, church. So make sure you listen to that um, to feed your spirit. And today, we didn't get to everything last week, but I'm going to do a few things from last week, and then we're going to talk about a few things that the Holy Spirit uh, told me this week that he specifically wants someone in here to know, maybe multiple people, but I want to make sure I get those out because I'll get in big trouble if I don't listen. Uh, So I'm going to make sure I I put a star by that one. You better say that else you're in big trouble. Papa gonna whoop you. Who got spankings growing up? Yeah, I'm just, just wondering. Had nothing to do with my, you know. I remember my grandma. She used to, we, she had a cabin up in Bernie Falls. You know where Bernie Falls is up out of Reading. We had a little cabin up there, and man, we got in trouble. She, she used to go out to the tree and break off a tree, little tree branch. And she's a whoop us with that, man. I was so scared of that thing. Man. Ooh, they sting like a booger, I'm telling you. But I don't want to get, I don't want to get spanked by the Holy Spirit because that sometimes, it stings too. So uh, best thing to do, the Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Because he ain't afraid to whoop you. Because he knows he disciplines those he loves. So the Holy Spirit, I want to look at the Holy Spirit's work subsequent to salvation. And I want to talk about the subject of sanctification just for a few minutes so we get this principle and idea in our Holy Spirit about one of the main roles of the Holy Spirit. Number one is to sanctify you. The Holy Spirit sanctifies you. And that's kind of an older word, a word we don't use much. So let's talk about what that word means. The word sanctify or sanctification really means to dedicate, to consecrate, or to set apart for a specific use or a holy use. Really, even the word holy is very similar in that something holy is something that's set apart for a specific purpose. 
So you could be set, an object in the Old Testament could be set apart as a specific holy. It could be a holy altar or something. The utensils in the, in the altar were holy. They were dedicated. They were consecrated. They were set apart for a very specific work. Or they had days, a lot of days. The Sabbath day was set apart as a holy, uh, sanctified day. Um, actually, people were too set apart. Jesus was set apart. In fact, remember Jeremiah was as well. Remember Jeremiah 1.5 says this, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated or sanctified you. I set you apart before you were even born. God says he sanctified you and set you apart, and I appointed you a prophet to the nations. I want to say this to someone here today, maybe all of you. Someone needs to hear this. God knew you before you were born. And he sets you apart for a specific purpose. He has a plan for you. He has a goals for you. He's created you with his own being. Part of God is made into you. We are image bearers of God. And part of God's in you, and you need to discover that. And by the Holy Spirit today, if you get baptized in the Holy Spirit today, maybe for the first time, you're going to begin to discover who you really are for the very first time. And that's the best part of life, is finding out how God made you and what your giftings are in him to do. Does that sound good? Yeah. We're coming to that. So we looked at that. Let's look at that sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. So the first point that I want to talk about is we have two aspects of sanctification. Basically, this is kind of a, a, a we don't want to get too into it. It's a big subject, but I want to break it down into two parts. Positional aspect. So we have a positional aspect and we have a process aspect of sanctification. So the positional aspect we find uh, in 1 Corinthians six eleven says this, and such were some of you. Meaning, he just did a whole list of a bunch of bad stuff. You guys, we were all something bad before, right? We look back and we were all stuff that we shouldn't have been. So Paul says, hey, you were all, and such you were some, were some of you, but, but you were washed. You were washed, you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by his spirit or God. It was an act and an instantaneous work. You were sanctified, done. Not in the process yet. Yeah, that point, it was you were sanctified. And remember, Ephesians 2 tells us, and we've all know this verse, for by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, which any man should boast. So you're saved, you're sanctified by grace, you're set apart you're dedicated for a specific purpose. Right when you trust God, right when you believe, you are sanctified positionally in the spirit. Your spirit man is perfect in God and you, God sees you that way through Christ. However, we have this other part that's needing to catch up to the spirit man, right? And that's our unrenewed mind and our flesh, and so then we come into the part of having this process aspect of sanctification where you're sanctified positionally. <clears throat> and by the way, that's where you want to do spiritual warfare from. <laughs> you want to fight and pray and believe and exercise faith from the position in Christ, knowing that even though you have failings in the flesh and you make mistakes, positionally God sees you in Jesus as perfect. The Bible says, for you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are. If you're in Christ, you are the righteousness of Christ Jesus. Guys, when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. He didn't see all your failings. They're covered. But, 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 no, 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 no buts. By faith, that's where you stand. By faith, that's how you pray. That's why the Christian life is a walk of faith. You've got to exercise faith, right? And so then we see this process aspect in 1 Thessalonians and several other scriptures, but we'll look at a couple, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you, process, you completely by your whole spirit, soul, and body being kept blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus. So we see this process of sanctification that the Holy Spirit works in us to become like Christ our whole spirit, soul, and body, all the way up until we either die and meet Jesus or he comes back. So either way, we're going to meet Jesus one day, we're going to end our life, everyone's appointed to die once in their life, and at that point, that whole process from birth to death, or birth to his second coming, you're in a process of sanctification. You're becoming more and more like Jesus. If you're not, 
You need to start making intentional efforts to get back in the sanctification process. Because just because you get saved doesn't mean you're going to be sanctified over time. So many people get saved. They put their little trophy on the shelf. I got saved, 1972. And then they just live their life however they want. They don't change anything for God. That is not salvation. That is not being saved. If you think you're going to walk up to the gates after, oh yeah, Lord, I love you, I forgive me, I repent, I'm saved, oh cool, I'm saved, thank you. You set it on the shelf, and then you go live the life you want to live. You are in great darkness, my friend. You have a big surprise coming, and I'm trying, as a pastor, it's my job to wave you out of going off the cliff. You need to repent, you need to turn, and you need to ask the Holy Spirit to get all over your, all over your business and start getting you sanctified and made ready for the, for the bridegroom. Are you with me? Come on. Are you with me? Are you hearing this? I want you to hear this in your heart because God requires us to be in the process of sanctification. It is not, hey, if you feel like it, if you want to. No, he's telling us, do it for your benefit. Okay, Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, much more in my absence, Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work his good pleasure. But the Bible's clear. Work it out. Work out your own. How do you work out your salvation? You work it out with fear and trembling by going through the process of sanctification. Does that mean you're not saved? No, you're saved. Positionally, you're in Christ. You're going to heaven. Don't worry about that. Get your mind off that and get your mind on God. Transform me into the person you want me to be so I can go and be a vessel of honor, God, that you can work through and affect this world. Church, we've got to get out of the self-centered mode that we are here for our own pleasure. We are not. We are here with purpose. You live not to be in the job you're doing right now. We live here not to be married or have kids and all that. That's part of the stuff we do. But your primary purpose, you cannot forget, is you are here as a servant ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to have your life so reflect that. Your life needs to do that. Every one of us is a slave unto God. We are serving him to get the gospel out because that's the main focus. All that other stuff is distractions. And the devil comes around and gets you focused. Oh, do this. Focus more on your job. Do this in your marriage. Do this for your kids. Go to this thing. Watch TV. Do all this stuff. That's not your main focus. Wake up. And realize that God is coming back. Are you with me, church? God is coming back. Jesus is going to come back for a church that's ready. Not a church that says, oh, well, I got saved in 72. I'm good. Come on, Lord, come back. While you're doing whatever you want. You do not want to be caught with your pants down. That is not a good thing. I'm telling you, church, my job as a pastor is to get you ready for the king. Are you with me? That's my job, and I'm going to do it, and you're not going to like me, and I don't care. I like you anyway. <laughs> well, most of you. Yeah, so there is a positional aspect to sanctification, and there's a process aspect. That's important to know as the Holy Spirit is upon you at, be at believing and faith in Christ, at, at your uh, born-again experience, and then Acts 2, the baptism of the Holy Spirit as he comes upon you in power to give you the power and the ability to do and to walk through sanctification. Now, in this process of sanctification, the Holy Spirit enables you to participate and partner with him in this journey. So, it, you, again, you have to partner with him. He just doesn't do it all for you. You've got to meet him in the middle. Okay, God, I'm with you. Let's do this. And he, all right, you're kind of, okay, I'm going to partner with you and walk you through this. You've got to make your own choice. And in this partnership, he will be there with you. And he will help you do a few things. And I'm going to name, I think, what, five of these? So let's name five things that God will help you on this journey of sanctification. Okay, you ready? I want to get through these kind of quick because I want to get to um, exactly what God said to say uh, uh, in addition to these things. So, uh, number one, kill the flesh. The Holy Spirit will help you put to death the flesh. Yes. You need to kill it. Your flesh is not of the Spirit. 
The things of the Spirit cannot relate to the things of the flesh. The Bible says the two are at war with each other. Your flesh wants to do its own thing, and your spirit wants to do what God's doing. And you've got to put the death, the flesh. When I was a young man at a, at a winter camp, I remember the guy described it with a black dog and a white dog. And they're in your heart, and they're fighting. And whoever you feed is going to be bigger and win. What dog are you feeding? Are you feeding the black dog? Are you feeding your flesh what it wants? Are you giving it at what it wants and being an enabler of the flesh? Are you giving that white dog all the food it needs? Are you giving that white dog the word of God every day? Are you praying? Are you worshiping? Are you loving on people? Are you giving? Is that you? Then you're feeding the white dog. And then the white dog will get so strong as you make the, the black dog suffer and shrivel and die. Put him to death. Because the flesh doesn't have in things the mind of the spirit. And if you let the flesh rule, you're gonna, your life will be governed by the flesh and you'll be doing the things of the world, which is going to distract you from your real genuine purpose in life. Put to death the flesh. Romans 8, 5 says this. I want to read a little section. This is pretty convicting stuff. Romans is a great book to meditate on. I took my Romans class in college and we had to um, read through the whole book in one sitting every day during the class um, as part of our work. And then that really got the word of God in your heart. And because we had to, he would give a portion of a verse on our test and say, what chapter is that in? It's like, oh, yeah. So, but it's a beautiful thing and it'll, it'll change your life. So meditate on Romans if you need something to, to read. So Romans 8, 5, I want to read a few verses. It says this, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set their mind on the flesh is death. Are you with me? Setting your mind on fleshly things equals death. Not just end of life death, but that. But it means death of relationships, death of your finances, death of your health, death in every possible way you could think. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Doesn't that sound good? Verse 7, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. So if you're in church and you don't want to participate in worship, or you struggle coming to church, maybe your mind's on the flesh. Maybe you need to reconsider and get your mind on spirit things so that, because you're going to be hostile towards everything of God. You're going to struggle with everything. You're going to struggle with getting up and reading your Bible. If you struggle reading your Bible, your mind is more on flesh than spirit. I'm, I'm just telling you the facts. God's word says it. If you're not in God's word, God says meditate on his word day and night. He says life is in my word. He says, hide your, my word in your heart so that you won't sin against me. So if you're not in the word and that's not a priority in your life, I would say according to Romans 8, that your mind is on the flesh and not the things of the spirit. So check yourself, measure your life against the word of God and just take what you get and change it. Don't feel guilty and mad, bummed out and all that. Make a choice. Make a choice to follow God and get your mind on the spirit. For the mind, verse 7, that is set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not submit to God's law. Having trouble sinning? How will try, how, having trouble with habitual sins in your life that you just can't seem to conquer? I'm just reading God's word. The mind that concentrates on the flesh and not the spirit does not submit to God's law. Oh, look, indeed, it cannot. It's not able to. Those, verse 8, who are in the flesh cannot please God. Yikes. Getting pretty pointed, are we? So the flesh cannot please God. So verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus, who raised Jesus? The spirit. 
Do you understand that today, if you've never been baptized in the Spirit, you're going to be baptized with the Spirit of God, and that same Spirit raised Jesus up from the dead? Wow. That's awesome. If the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. He'll give you the power to overcome your flesh through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers and sisters... We are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you will put to death the deeds of the body, and you will live. It's pretty good stuff, right? Romans 8. Meditate on that. So number one was kill the flesh. Number two, the Holy Spirit does in this work of sanctification is to transform you into the image of Christ. The Holy Spirit within you and upon you will help you transform into the image of Christ. And we've kind of touched on this, so we'll go through it quickly. First, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So God, by his Spirit, brings you glory to glory. It changes you into better, more and more like Jesus. In fact, a good, a good test to do on your life is to take a day of Sabbath rest, go out into the park, take a journal, and just ask God this one question. God, does my life reflect you? And then listen to what he says. What do you want me to change, God? Am I becoming more like you or less like you? Does the things in my life tell people when they look at it that I am looking like my dad? Do you look like your dad? Do you want to look like your dad? The Holy Spirit will transform you in a big way. And a big way he does this in, in you is to change the way you think, church. For what you think in your heart, so you will become. Proverbs says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about the renewing of your mind. I'm not going to get into that. But the Bible talks about being transformed into his image, not conformed to the world. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By, and that's coming from the word washing you out and cleaning you, getting into the word. So number three is understanding greater revelation. So we've got to put the flesh to death. We, the, we know that the Holy Spirit helps us by transforming us. The Holy Spirit also helps us by understanding greater revelation. You ever read the Bible and wish you wanted more revelation? Well, the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. He will help you by being in you and upon you to give you revelation and give you greater insights into the things of God. And write down Ephesians 3, 16 there through 19, and you can read that on your own. Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. He gives you greater revelation. Number four, he helps you become a son or daughter of God. You know, the cool thing about the Spirit is that he births sons and daughters. And so when you get saved, you become a son or daughter of the Most High God. But I don't think we quite know what that means. I don't think we really understand what being a son or daughter means it's an interesting concept. Romans 8, 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Positionally, when you accept God by the Spirit, you become a son. What does that mean? It has nothing to do with gender. It has to mean with firstborn rights. When I was walking Sven, my prayer partner, who's very spiritual, I was praying, and as I began to pray, God spoke to me and said, you need to change the way you pray, and you need to pray like you're my firstborn son. I said, well, I'm really not. I mean, I know. Yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah, I am in Christ. And so are you in Christ. And so he said, when, when you pray, Doug, I want you to come before my throne with the attitude, the heart, the mindset that you are my firstborn son. What does a firstborn son get? Everything. Everything. You have heir, you're heir to your father. We are, the Bible says, co-heirs with Christ. And you have to pray as if, because you are a son of the Most High God. So if your father has everything and he's the king, wouldn't it change the way you talk to him? Hey, God, hey, um, can I, will you help me get a job, you know, if you want me to, you know? No, it's, you're right. I, I'm sick, God, will you heal me? You don't have to ask him that question. Why would you ask God 
If you're the first one, so would you ask, see, are you with me? So it changes the way you talk to God because it, the way you think about how you talk to God will change everything. And that's where faith is joined in there. And then you start believing for great things because you are a son. You're a firstborn son with all firstborn rights. Are you with me? The covenant, the agreement between Jesus and the Father, when he died, he brought us into a new covenant. And that is a new, and it says, even better covenant. So any promises you see in the Old Testament, you get those as well, but you get all the better ones. Everything that's improved in, in, in 2.0, right? You get all the better stuff. So you can call on that covenant, that agreement between, because all the promises are yes and amen. So you can call on that covenant of promises because all the covenant is is a bunch of promises God made us, right? And so we can call on those through prayer as firstborn sons, knowing that we are heir to those. Those are ours. You've got to pray, guys, like it's yours. You don't offend God by coming to him and saying, God, my covenant right. I'm praying your word. In fact, you make God proud when you get just a little bit of good attitude in there. I'm serious. God is proud and, and so happy because you're honoring his son. You're honoring the death and resurrection of Jesus when you take authority of what he purchased. It Wouldn't it bring honor to you if your son went to war and fought and gave his life wouldn't it honor you if people came to you and lived the way they should live in this country? Right? If your son had to give, if my son had to die to give this country the freedom we have, then I would be especially pleased with those people taking the rights of what we fought for and living and walking in them, right? You know what I mean? The freedoms. And so it's in a similar way and even a bigger way. God is proud of you. He wants you to. Don't come to the throne room all scared and, and guilt-ridden and no confidence and begging and pleading with God. That doesn't make God, that, that, that doesn't please God. The Bible says you cannot please God without faith. You've got to come to him with faith if you want to please him. You want to make God happy? Come to him with faith. You want to make God happy? Come to him as a firstborn son. Come knowing who you are. That brings him glory, guys. Are you with me? Is everyone catching this? You catching it? Yeah? Okay. And then number five, uh, the Holy Spirit helps us produce fruit. So producing fruit is a big deal. First Timothy, let no one despise you of your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, love, faith, and purity. We talked about the fruits of the Spirit. Pastor uh, Eric talked about that. But the Holy Spirit's one of his main roles to help you produce fruit. It is expected for each person in this room to be producing fruit. There's no outs on this one. Okay, so let's get into the two big deals. I want you to turn to Acts 2 in your Bibles. Acts 2, verse 1. It's a familiar passage. And we're going to get to more ministry, so we're almost done. The day of Pentecost. Today is... is it's a Sunday we're celebrating Pentecost. Pentecost means what? 50, 50. It's Pentecost 50. 50 days from what? Passover. So we have 50 days until then. So um, don't get into this yet, but you can keep it up there. That's fine. Um, but there's two really big deals that the Holy Spirit specifically told me, because I was going to go down another route, and I, and, and I was praying, and he said, no, I want, I want you to talk about these two things. So for some reason, someone needs this, so that's good. So there's two really big deals in this passage that I want to point out. So let's read together, and then we'll talk about those two quick things. So Acts 2.1 says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues... In your Bibles, I want you to underline or highlight divided, if you can, or write that word down, divided. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested, or remained, or whatever your, your version says. Underline that, rested, rested, it remained on each one of them. And they were all, fill, all filled, 99% were filled. Oh, sorry. All were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So there's two big deals I want to talk about that will help you understand because this gift of the Holy Spirit is for you. It's clear in the book of Acts over and over that this is for this generation right now for you. 
It's prophesied, it's very clear. If you don't understand that, let's have a side conversation. But the first big deal I want you to talk about is the first word we underlined, the spirit divided. Okay, the big deal was that the spirit divided. And then the next line under your notes is, it's not tongues. The big deal with that was not the actual tongues of fire, more so than the, the tongues of fire divided. So you see, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit wasn't upon everybody. The Holy Spirit would come upon different individuals at different times as God's will, but as a whole, the whole Israelites were not having the Spirit of God upon them. They didn't have this. The Spirit of God did not disperse to all. So the big deal here is that now, because of what Christ did, God divided the Spirit, which means every one of us, every person in that room got a fire over them. Every person, I don't care how insignificant you think you are, I don't care how young or old or in between you think you are, you are uh, uh, open to have the Spirit of God on your life, the power, the resurrection God, empowering you to do what he's called you to do. So the big deal here, and God wants you to know this, that you're important. He loves you, and he has a calling for your life, and he did, all he did through Christ comes in this word divide, because he loved you enough to give his own son so that he could give you his Spirit. Each one of you, individually a spirit. Not the group of people got it. They got it as a group, but they each got their own portion of spirit to them. And that's important because God didn't do that in the whole Old Testament. This is a big deal. And so God wants you to know today that his spirit is for you. You need to seek it out. You need to accept it as a gift and walk in it. Walk in his spirit. It's a big deal. Number two big deal. The spirit remained or rested and then on, on the next line, on each one. That's a big deal because the spirit was for you, but it remained. This word remain is interesting. So in the Greek, the, the, or, yeah, in the Greek this word um, can mean different things in cases. But if you look at all the, the ways in which this word is used, the Holy Spirit does all of them, which is pretty cool. But so look at the different ways that the word remained or, or, or um, rested is meant. So uh, one translation is to sit down with. So the Spirit of God sat down with each individual. Isn't that exciting that God wants to sit down with you and talk with you and be with you? Exciting. The other thing is um, to sit as an authority. So he not only sits with you, but he sits with you as the Almighty Creator, being the authority and giving you the authority. So he sit, you know, a king sits in an authority on his throne. He's sitting with you, showing that he is the king, but also that you have the authority of God in your life. Also to seat, as installing you. So the Holy Spirit comes to install his spirit in you that will remain, right, to install. Another thought or concept of the word is to sit down to prepare, right? When you sit down at a table to prepare for something, or prepare for war, or prepare a meal, that we're to sit down to prepare, so the Holy Spirit comes down, sits down with you as at a table, to get you ready and prepare you for who you are, right? Are you with me? Are you hearing it? Come on. Are you with me? Yeah? All right. I just want to make sure you're not sleeping. All right. Last one. And then the last one I love, which means to stay. He comes to stay. He comes to continue. The Holy Spirit is with you to be there forever. God gave his spirit. He divided the spirit to give you his spirit forever, guys. A guarantee, your sealship of who you are, that you're his kid forever. Are you with me? Is that a good news or what? I'm excited about that. John uh, 1, 32 says this. John gave this testimony. He said, I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove, speaking about Jesus, and remained on him. So the same way, that's the same Greek word that said when the divided fire came and, and remained on the disciples, the same way that spirit will come and remain on you is the same way that spirit came down and remained on Jesus the Christ. Guys, you need the spirit to be able to walk in your destiny. You need the spirit to be able to walk in your destiny. You got to hunger and thirst for him. One of my jobs as pastor is to help you find your destiny, but that means sometimes I got to get tough. And in Hebrews 10, 23, I want to talk about sometimes that painful thing. It's a quick verse. Let's read it. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold, 
unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who is promised is faithful. And listen to this. And let us consider Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. The word for spur is interesting. And spur is actually the best translation because the word means to get, there's two parts of the word, close by and sharp. Right? And so sometimes we need to spur one another on. I will do that as your pastor. I will try and spur you on, which means I get real close and I get sharp. And that may hurt because I'm trying to spur you on to get into your destiny. So it's a, it's a, it's a good word. It's, you, sometimes pain and irritation may, may mean you need to change direction. You ever think of that? Sometimes when there's pain and irritation in your life, that means maybe you should change direction. When a horse is going the wrong direction, you hit their sides, that means something's going on they shouldn't do. It's a change of direction. Some of you today need a change of direction. Some of you need a spurring in your side to get going with God and the way you should walk. And you need the Holy Spirit to do that. I end with this verse. Revelations 3 says this. The angel of the church of Sardis wrote, and this is Jesus speaking. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time you, I come. Church, I want you to notice a couple things about this scripture. Jesus is talking to believers. Jesus is talking to you and me. He said, wake up, strengthen what remains, repent. If you don't wake up, I'm going to come when you're not ready. And that's to a believer. Think about the implications of that. Church, I'm telling you, there are Christians in this room right now who are asleep, spiritually. There are Christians in here who need to wake up and realize the destiny they're on. And so, Bo, as I, as, uh, we have a timeline up here, and this, I'm not going to go into the Feast of the Lord, because that would be a long day, but I want to give you guys a picture of this. So... Uh, click, click the first one. So there's seven main feasts. So really there's Passover. Keep going. Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, and Pentecost. So stop there. So we're at Pentecost. So what's cool about these, these feasts have all been established in the Old Testament that they did, but then they've all been fulfilled because Christ came at Passover. He was the bread of life. We had the first fruits of him risen from the dead. Now we have Pentecost today where the Spirit of God is given, divided. We each get the Spirit of God in us. And then now, go next. In the Old Testament, we had trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles, or the uh, booths. So these are all, have been done in the Old Testament, but have not been fulfilled yet, right? So these, so obviously the trumpets in the Old Testament, doo -doo -doo, that means they're bringing in the harvest. Harvest is ready, come on, let's bring it in, right? Well, the trumpets for us now mean the trumpet call of the Lord Jesus Christ coming back for his church, right? So that's the next fulfillment we are all waiting for is the Feast of Trumpets, because when that trumpet blows, it's done, folks. You better know what side you're on when the trumpets blow, right? So we're in this time of waiting. So go to the next one. Next one. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost. That's what we're talking today. This is approximately, stop, don't go. Um, 33 AD, baptism of the Holy Spirit approximately, right? So now, go. You. You're on this timeline. You're in this section in the history and God's calendar. Guys, this is God's calendar we're looking at. You are on mission. What are we to be doing between first fruits and trumpet? Right, exactly. We're to be going and preaching the gospel, making disciples, fulfilling our destinies. God has given you talents, maybe one, maybe three, maybe five, maybe ten. 
What are you doing with them? You're going to have to give an account over here. You're going to have to give an account for what God gave you. And don't let it all be burned up because of your negligence or your self-centeredness or your rebellion or the flesh, right? Walk in the Spirit. Find out who you are. Next click, please. So we're here May 20th, 2018. I'm not sure where on this line we're at. I put it in the middle to make a point. Go, go ahead. There's a dot there that, you, that was there. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Put them all up, Bo. You're messing with me. That, so this dot here... That's right. We could be right here, guys. Do you understand that? And I'm not trying to make you scared. I'm, I'm telling you facts. We could be there. We don't know. The Lord could come tonight. Right? We, we might not even make it out of this building. So you need to figure this out and wake up. Some of you are asleep, and if Christ were to come right now, I don't know where you'd go. Do you? So I put a question mark over there. It'll go away. That's okay. Click. Where are you at? Where are you at? And where are we on the timeline? So get ready for the video, Bo. I showed you that timeline because I wanted a couple points for you to think about. I want you to realize that you are in a harvest time. We are to go harvest. The Bible says, Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And you and me are to go out and do the work of the harvest to bring souls in to the kingdom of God, brothers and sisters, to know Jesus. Because if you don't know Jesus, guys, you know the end story of that. But that's our role. And so it's only by the Spirit of God, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that you can fulfill your destiny and become what God's called you to do. Are you with me? So I want you to realize um, where we are on that timeline, the urgency it is for you to respond because I'm doing my part. God's told me what to say. I said it. And it's very clear what you need to do next, which is get filled with the Spirit, believe for great things, and walk in the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to do that. We're going to pray for you, right? We're going to pray, and, and we're going to ask God to come and, and move. But I want to play a video, so would you, are you ready for the video? So um, dim the lights, make sure the volume's up, and w watch this video, and then we're going to pray. Hear this, an almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful God is sitting in heaven waiting to hear from you. David says that he has his hand his hand cupped behind his ear, listening for his children to ask him for great and mighty things that we know not. He's listening for us to pull down the strongholds of addictions that enslave our families, to pull down the strongholds of abortion and pornography, to pull down the demonic forces that are destroying the government of the United States. So what does he hear from our lips? Oh God, watch over the parakeet and water the grass. Let me tell you something. When you walk through these doors and you lift your hands to pray, I want you to remember that you are talking to almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful God, the creator of heaven and earth. The blast of his nostrils can split the cedars of Lebanon. He holds the seven seas in the palms of his hand. He weighs the mountains in a scale and the hills in the balance. You can ask him for things so staggering, so big, that God slides out of his chair and sits on the air and says to the angels, did you hear what he said? Asking, asking, asking for things that are impossible because with God, nothing is impossible. Ask him to defeat the giants in your life because our God is a giant killer. Ask him to divide the sea before you and to bury Pharaoh and watch him turn your enemies into fish food. Ask him, ask him to send fire from heaven as he did for Elijah and he will. Ask him to walk with you in the fire of the fiery furnace and be the fourth man in the fire and he will he said you will walk through the fire and the fire will not burn you you will walk through the water and the water will not drown you ask him he's the God who cannot fail he 
He's waiting to show you great and mighty things. Ask Him. Pray, pray, pray. God in heaven wants you to have that power. You are made in the image of God. God is not a statue. He speaks. He thinks. He talks. He feels our infirmities. He answers our prayer. He's alive. He's Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there. He's Jehovah Nissi, the Lord who is our banner. He's Jehovah Shal Shalom, the God our peace. Pray, pray, pray. God is in heaven saying, what do you need? Do you need healing? Ask in faith, believe it, and I will give it. Do you need supernatural wisdom to make a tough decision? Ask of me, and I will lead you in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Do you need peace that surpasses understanding? Ask, 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 for nothing is impossible to those that believe. No good thing will he withhold from those that diligently seek him. Do you need the impossible? Then open your mouth. Open your mouth in faith, believing. You're not talking to the President of the United States. You're not talking to Bill Gates. Both of them together can't control their next breath. You're talking to the Creator of heaven and earth. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He uses gold for asphalt on the streets of heaven. He moves mountains. He divides seas. He'll give you wells you didn't dig, vineyards you didn't plant, houses you didn't build. He will make you the head and not the tail because nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible to you. wasn't it? Guys, nothing is impossible for God. Let's pray. Worship team, come on up. Father God, we come before you right now, and we thank you that you're a God who cares. And Lord, we, right now, each one of us, with our heads bowed and eye closed, Lord, we just, we calm down our, our hearts and our minds. We we settle right now. Lord, we say as a family, even though some of us are thinking of things to do right now after church, Lord, we as a, a group just decide right now that we're going to be patient and we're going to wait on you. We're not going to be in a hurry, God. We're not going to be in a hurry to get out and go do something, God, because you're the reason we're here. We're here for you. So, Father God, we ask... And we believe that nothing is impossible for you, God. And Father, we've learned about your Holy Spirit and we celebrate today the day of Pentecost, your great calendar, the day you poured out your Spirit on all flesh. And this promise was for all those who were there and all those who the Lord God would call. And so today I want to ask that if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, today's your day. Today's your day to get filled with the Spirit. And I'm calling you to do this because the Bible tells us to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, to be baptized in water, and you shall receive the Holy Spirit. You shall receive the power from on high. And if that's you this morning, and after listening today, you feel the prompting of God to say yes to the Holy Spirit, to be endued with power from on high, to be filled with God's power to live the Christian life. If that's you, I want you to stand up to your feet. We're going to pray for you. And I want you to come forward. And I'm going to ask some of my prayer team to come on up. Pastor Craig and Paula, Aaron, my wife. And today, if you're here and you want the Holy Spirit, you want to be baptized afresh and anew, as we enter into a short time of worship, I'm going to ask you to come forward and get prayer. And we're going to believe God for miracles in your life. We're also going to open up the altars for a breakthrough. If you need a breakthrough in your life and you need something to happen, as we, as we uh, just worship with, uh, with Chris, I want you to come up and get prayer. And the rest of you if, you, if that's something you don't need right now, that you are filled with the Holy Spirit, and you don't need healing, then I want you to worship. And then, oh yes, God also told me to say that there's some of you that got filled with the Holy Spirit a long time ago, but you need to be refilled. In Acts, it talks about the people that got baptized being filled up again. 
This isn't just a one-time thing. This is a continuation of being filled with the Spirit. And if you've been dry in your spiritual life, if you've been weary in your spiritual life and tired and anxious in your spirit, and you want God to fill you again and fill you fresh today, that promise is for you. And so I'm going to just give that over to Chris and have him lead us in song. And I want everyone to stand with me right now. Would you stand to your feet? And, and as you feel led, I want you to respond to that call, church. Don't be afraid. Don't care what anyone thinks. No one's looking around. They're going to be worshiping God. Everyone in the audience, if you're not up here, I want you worshiping God. I want you focusing on Jesus and singing to him. But if you want to respond to that call, it's your day today. It's your window. So I just come forward right now. Make your way up if that's you. I want you to get out of your chair. Come forward and we're going to pray with you as we worship. Chris?